So one of the shift from the the five aggregates affected by clinging. These are just everything, basically everything you can that manifests (coughs) in terms of physical sensations, mental impressions, consciousness itself. Is that receptivity to sounds and sights, everything that you can know, the known, affected by clinging. And so, you know, the fact that it's affected by clinging rather than it is automatically clinging means that it can be unclung. You know, in other words, clinging isn't some kind of fundamental, inevitable experience, but it's an, this effect, clinging or the feeding or the leaning on or the holding on or the being propped up by, you know. Clinging is dependent upon craving, <coughs> thirst, sense of need. Is not craving is not immoral or degrading it's just a you know it's a you know, thirst like that what roots of plants have and creatures have this natural tendency to want to drink in something but humans human mind we can actually be freed from that that dependency so then cravings, with the craving stops, the clinging stops. That need to hold on, that need to be, that need to lean, that need to feed is quenched. Then the feeding doesn't have to happen. So there's still these five aggregates unaffected by clinging. You know, we're not trying to destroy them, we're not have them or look for somewhere else. Because you can't find anything else. Really, the sense of you know not getting lost in the blizzard, you know, not in the, in the kind of sound you might say of it all, the sound and the fury, but just being able to see where through all that noise and smoke, and there's a place where you can, underneath that, you can kind of switch it off. So when we um, deal with topics, we tend to do things more like of a analytical, therapeutic nature, just what works best for me, how can this has its there's that particular level of work we do you know sort of relaxing some of our hand holds on things or our grudges or grievances or trying to understand ourselves a little better that's useful. And then you come more to more structural qualities. Is how feeling affects you. How, you know, feeling. So as we <coughs> said, meditate, we come up against feeling, physical feeling, painful physical feeling, pleasant physical feeling. There's a kind of Wanting, not wanting, 
but it's just the sense in which that becomes a real topic. You know, we, something in us kind of leans on it, goes to it. We don't notice the bits that don't hurt. <laughs> you know, you know, pain in the knee and the rest of the body disappears. There's that feeling becomes a big signifier. That's what I am, I am the feeling. When we come to the mind, it's even more yeah, intense. Mental feeling. So then this kind of becomes the center piece, and around that sense of self, oppressed or excited or whatever, arises. It's feeding on feeling, leaning on it, handling it, inclining to it. Have an unpleasant feeling, trying to find a pleasant feeling. Pleasant feeling, trying to sustain a pleasant feeling. This thirst for feeling. How important it is for us to feel good, feel happy, feel bright. Wow, is that going to happen? Sometimes, yeah. All the time? No. That's a bit... you know, intellectually that's obvious, but emotionally, no, I don't like that at all. <laughs> no, there's something wrong. I like to get past those things that cause me unpleasant feelings, just kind of clear those out. Just have sort of pleasant, mildly pleasant, not naughty, not wrong, just kind of gently pleasant feeling. Isn't going to happen. Feeling is changeable, impermanent. So whatever, you know, whatever triggers that off, whether it's sounds, sights, other people, bodily sensations, thoughts of the future, thoughts of the past, thoughts about oneself, just put that to one side, or can we just tidy that up enough for it not to be the focal point, but just the sense of feeling the pleasant or the unpleasant. You know, and then, then always... Basically, it practices the known, that which is discerned, that which is sensed, that which is manifested, and is the knowing. Knowing is not, it's the wrong word, it's not an intellectual process, it's a spreading, widening awareness around the known, around what's felt. Very, you know, for me, that, that's obviously one can go wrong by making it too simple, but you go wrong with making it too complicated. You know, so perhaps this works, some sense of widening, you know, spatial metaphor, loosening, widening, because the tendency for a feeling is to draw in, get embedded in it, and um, get speedy with it, get moved by it, get panicky with it, or freeze in it. It's just come to a f- come to a place where that there can be a little more sense of feeling flowing. You know, feeling does move. The changeability of it. Why that that everything has the nature to arise, cease, impermanence, change. You know, basic 
Buddhism, but not intellectually understanding that, but actually just abiding in that sense of this is moving along. You know, where do I stand? Where do I... How is my consciousness poised to sense it in that way? Rather than you know, go in and be stimulated for the good or bad by the feeling. Dispassion. Feeling is feeling. This, uh, so every time we do this, there's some way in which one turns down the push of dunha, thirst. Doesn't seem that significant, yet, you know, this is the basic long-term strategy, isn't it? You know, and then you see how thoroughly does one follow that. Maybe physical stuff, maybe I'm okay with it. Mental stuff, maybe I, I, you know, it's too too reactive. Still get caught in that. So it's not just this. It's a simple teaching, the thoroughness of it. Feelings that arise about things in the future. Things that arise about in the past, about other people, about one's actions, about what one should do or shouldn't do. Feeling about that arise around the mind being agitated, unpleasant feeling. So you know we can actually. So it's a vast topic, actually. The simple word to come to the place where it's that I don't want this or I want it, the push, the charge of that knowing. So when we you know, come to practice, people like to talk about ultimate truth. But I'd soon have absolute honesty, being ultimately absolutely truthful, you know, as a practice, what's going on now. That's not, so truth isn't some thing to me, it just means being honest and realizing, you know, that's partial. You know, really, this is changeable. It's ephemeral. It's not self. I'm not that honest all the time. Some things are really me, mine. You know, <laughs> and then okay, that's good. Right. So now we try to locate what's in that what's the juice in that what's the food in that what's the thing I want to spit out of that you know, where does it press where does it press you know, sometimes you can even have physical location somewhere in your belly or your throat or your head Presses the, but generally, by and large, it, has, it presses the sense. I arise, my sense of self arises at that place where the holding on occurs. But it's not that I do the holding on. The holding on generates the sense of self. So I've never held on to anything in my entire life, to be truly honest. 
But holding on has generated me continually. <laughs> you know, so that, that you kind of sense what is clinging about. And we study it, the leaning on, realizing, you know, okay, well, we just start to chip away at some of the things or some of the areas or some of the assumptions that go along with clinging. This will make me feel good, happy, pleasant. And by and large, there's some pleasure in it. Otherwise, nobody would do it. The Buddha said it's like the pleasure that lepers get when they cauterize their sores. <laughs> or scratching an itch, you know. Very strong way of speaking. But yeah. And then, but all that, following that, accentuates the pattern, doesn't it? So we get dependent, we get addicted, we get hooked, we have to scratch again. Coming out of that. See, it's difficult because there's that withdrawal symptoms. Suddenly we, you know, a bit that was there we were leaning on is gone and suddenly, oh, you know, you feel unbalanced. But then the knowing, you know, obviously the recommendation is you have a focal point, meditation, body, breathing, metta, whatever it is that you use as a prop to, to allow one to handle the imbalances that happen when your other props go down. Propping yourself on feeling. Because this is only the other ones are the are becoming or being. This is when associated with states. States have a sense of stasis, sense of something there. I'm in this state. We lean on that. I am sick, I am well. I am happy, I'm sad, I am in this state or in that state. You know, it becomes something. And you know, cling to it, lean upon it. States are huge, just as huge as feelings. It can be, you know, status is an external example of a state. You know, my relative status my role, my position, my job, why these things become very intensely felt at times because of the leaning on them. It's always good to at least just question, play a game. What would it be like if I was out of here, you know, on the street? Suddenly, not being treated with given arms food, you know, whatever. Not because you want to do that, just to, just to notice the the kind of assumptions that that I take for granted. You know, the generosity I take for granted, the space that I have I take for granted, the good company I take for granted, trustworthiness of people I take for granted.
No, not, not to dismiss all these, but just the you know, we don't lean. You actually recognize there's a tremendous field of blessings that you know, is supporting us already. But within that, you know, there's a this this kind of personalizing thing. What's the find specific me bit? It seeks me. It seeks to personalize, to localize. So you come to my state. That's the one that really registers. I'm sure it's the same for all of us. We can hear I'm in the Sangha, but where I am, but that doesn't, you know, it's a kind of basic reference, and yet what really is impinging upon me is the state, physical state, emotional state, mental state, like, dislike, up, down, social state, I'm in, that's where I am, and I'm held in that state, mind state, emotional state. We don't lean upon these things because we they're great, but just because, like, that's the habit. It's a reflex. Because the you know until those will be generating these uh, um, enlightenment factors, so you've got enough inner support to not need to lean. You don't you've got a backbone. You need something to lean on. And it's a process, isn't it? You know, recognizing, taking advantage of the relative props and positions we have while we can have them while they're around they're changeable taking making use of those to so as we can then within that develop an inner poise an inner axis one's collectedness one's gathered inness but remember, this is just changing the leaning or you know dependencies. Um, along with that, in tandem with that, at any time we also recognize this is the state. This is the definition of what I am. Up, down, in, out, old, new. Ah. Oh. Pleasant, unpleasant state. And then there can be the knowing of that. Widening, being looser. States have a certain rigidity rigidity to them. That's why we can lean upon them. What's it like to be looser, less rigid, less convinced, less, you know, in that Not sagging, falling apart, but just more spacious around that sense of 
is what I am. It's a tentative process, isn't it? So easy to swing to dismissing it, dismissing the state, suppressing the state, appeasing the state, feeling guilty about the state, feeling ashamed of the state, longing for another one. But the knowing of the state, it's not really trying to do anything about the state, not trying to solve it, fix it, change it, even understand it, but just the bare presence with the state. So actually we rely fundamentally on this absolute honesty. What is that going to do? Let's see. Let's see about non-clinging to it. This is, we have the faith or trust or certain, you know, certain possibility of trust. Let's see what it's just like to be the knowing of that. It's kind of like getting the, the mind or to be wider, softer. There's a certain stability because it's like when one doesn't seek stability, the agitation of seeking it stops. And interestingly, the greatest stability is in being unsupported by future, past, present. So this is a paradox, you might say. The greatest stabilities would be unsupported. That which is supported is liable to have the support pulled away. Supports change. Supports come and go. And even while there's, you know, the sense of the body, the space around that. If you look at that, just even in the bodily terms, what is a body? This is the, is it the, when you sense your body, you either get the overall sense of pressure or warmth or vibration, and then you lose. You don't get the ears, the tongue, the fingers, the toes. You just get the overall sense. Or you can feel your hands, but then you you don't feel your feet. Or you can feel you're breathing in and out, but then you don't feel your legs. You know, or it just jumps from one to the other. You haven't got the whole body isn't here. What we have is a a scan that selects particular impressions of heat pressure, pain, pleasure, particular modes of attention, like generally the mind scoots around very quickly, composite picture, body. But that is just a compounded picture. What happens if we just sense the whole body, 
know, simple. Let the details dissolve. This is one thing. This is just, you know, the sense of substance. And you can know, because it's just one thing, you can know it. You just get that very simply, and then there's the knowing of that. (coughs) Mind will tend to try to lock into one particular aspect of body. You just keep, you know, going to the knowing, whatever body there is, whether it's uh, warmth, heat, low energy, high energy. What is, you just choose the body that you can, that's most available to be present with, to knowing, to develop the knowing with. So what you, you choose anything, you do that. You choose the mind state, the one can most readily see is just that, leave it there, not fuss with it, go to the knowing. That's the ideal, called concentration. But by and large, that isn't what happens. You know, we, we come to the bit that we're bothered by, worried about. You know, okay. What we want to have happen, what we don't want to have happen, we come to those states and then lock. Fight. And try to feel these mind states as like tensions. You know, they're called knots, ganta, knots. And how you undo a knot, you don't go into the center of it, you go around the edges of it, you find out where the loose piece of the string is, and you start to wriggle it, wiggle it. Play with it. Loosen. Loosen it. Be loose. And it softens. Some things you just put put them in water and let them dissolve. You know, tighten up around it. So psychologically this means we don't make an issue out of it with ourselves. We don't worry about it, we don't feel, we don't condemn it, we don't feel I shouldn't be this way. All those things psychologically tighten you up. Mm. Around worry, around irritation, around doubt. And you start to feel them as when you stop tightening it psychologically it starts to loosen by itself. Because these things are of that nature. They are subject to change. Why they keep locking is because psychologically something in us keeps tightening them up, obsessing. So it's, you know, this is just very broad outlines, isn't it? But, you know, what, what, do, what do each of us individually need to do to not obsess, 
to not go into our patterns again and drives our intensities, our tight places. Kindness, patience, mindfulness. You know the score, you know the lists. There's always that which is conducive to being with, not to dismissing, but to being with in this knowing way. And the knowing, the others are just there to support the knowing. The knowing is the unsupported. The knowing offers release. Release. 